0: Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting The Molly Fool. LinkedIn Jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are, their skills, interests, and even how open they are to new opportunities. For $50 off your first job post, go to LinkedIn.com fool. That's LinkedIn.com fool. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen. It's Tuesday, September 4th. Uh, Hope everyone, at least stateside, enjoyed their holidays and long weekend. Um, We're excited to kick off this week for Industry Focus. But on the last consumer and retail show, uh, New Fool, Nick Sciple, and I uh, talked about the upcoming Eventbrite IPO. and We plan to follow up on the discussion today with coverage of one of its major competitors, Live Nation. We're going to put that episode on ice just until next week so that I can welcome Fool.com contributor Dan Klein into the studio. Um, Always a pleasure when you're in town uh, and you stop by Fool HQ, Dan. Hey, Vince. Thanks for having me. Uh, really great to see you. I know that you have Coca-Cola on your mind. <laughs> so, they announced a big deal last week. Uh, this was stunning. Like
1: yes. It's very rare we're surprised. Usually, we have a bunch of ideas mapped out if something buys so-and-so. or This one, while we knew this coffee company, Costa, was for sale, we did not have Coca-Cola on our radar as a purchaser.
0: Yeah, so it's been about... Uh, I was looking through my notes. I think it's about been about two years at least since we really looked at Coca Cola, and today we're gonna hone in on this five billion dollar deal they did uh, for Costa Coffee, um, and then we're also gonna just look at how the company has transformed in the past few years uh, to close out. Um, but I'm gonna let you start things off uh, so to provide the context uh, to our listeners. Um, Coca-Cola spending, uh, with the conversion, $5.1 billion. And this is going to be a push for them into coffee, hot, hot beverages, also brick and mortar, which is something we're definitely going to talk about because that's a first for Coke. But what does the deal look like, exactly? So
1: This is basically Coca-Cola saying, what areas of the beverage market, the non-alcoholic beverage market, do we not serve? Yeah, And coffee was a glaring hole. So, they would go into a business, uh, let's call it a restaurant, and they would say to the restaurant, we can serve you Coca-Cola products, and they, and we could serve you energy drinks, and we could serve you iced teas, and all whatever your mix is, we can meet it. And they go, oh, great, uh, what's your coffee platform? And they say, we don't have a coffee platform. <laughs> this lets them take a well-known brand in parts of the world, and they can bring that brand to the U.S., especially in situations where the brand isn't the the selling point where it's really being able to meet the need you know a restaurant generally they might tell you they brew starbucks coffee but that's not usually a, a selling point in a you know nice steakhouse it just says they have cappuccinos this allows coca-cola to add that business and that's a huge opportunity for the company because it already has relationships across retail and restaurant and all these other spaces um, it also puts Coca-Cola into the retail business, as you mentioned, which it's about 3,800 stores, uh, with about 60% of them in the in England in the United Kingdom.
0: Yeah, and I'll stop you there because we have a lot to talk about with that <laughs> brick and mortar operation. But I do, i just want to add some context uh, for what you. Uh, it's a really good point in terms of, you know, they have this big opening with um, hot beverages, essentially, that the company doesn't uh, really address quite as much, uh, especially when it comes to coffee and. We're looking at a category when you look at global coffee and tea that's particularly strong. Um, that category has seen uh, some of the stronger growth rates. I think six percent last year, and this is a five hundred billion dollar market at least.
1: And it's a hedge against declining soda sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Coke has done some interesting things to shore up, like the Diet Coke business, the skinny cans, the different flavors. But long term trend says that market will probably continue to get smaller as you know healthier choices. Coffee. Is a growth market. It just makes sense.
0: Yeah, addressable market for the company uh, and the presentation materials to provide for this deal takes it from something like eight hundred billion dollars to one and a half trillion dollars. So it's massive. And I'll stress that at the moment, uh, Coke only operates in the ready-to-drink segment in ter- when it comes to coffee. And within that, it only has about fifteen percent market share. So if you look at the broad category, uh, you know, Coca-Cola is looking to to jump essentially from a two percent market share. Um, to the additional opportunities that we'll talk about with Costa Coffee, and um, the last thing I'll mention, uh, or that I wanted to, uh, to mention, in terms of the seller, uh, an interesting company. It's Whitbread. They're an English company. Uh, they're basically parting with this entire division to focus on their hotel and restaurant businesses. Crazy thing, you know. We talk about Coca-Cola being this historic company, at least for the United States, founded I think in the in 1892 or something like that. I saw that Whitbread was founded in 1742. So always puts things in perspective, uh, being such a a much older company, and you know tends to be the case for a lot of these European businesses. Um, But there's going to be the standard shareholder and regulatory approvals that are required for uh, for a deal like this. Um, Coca Cola and Whitbread they expect to deal uh, the deal to close in the first half of 2019, and Coke's going to fund the transaction from the 20 billion dollars of cash that they have on hand. Um, Before um, we look. More at the strategy though uh, for how Coke is going to essentially leverage the assets and the brand here. i talk a little bit more specifically in terms of what the company is getting. So let's get into that the brick and mortar uh, apparatus sure. that they have here. So,
1: so there's really four pillars to the business. Sure. There is a huge vending machine business. Eight thousand two hundred Costa Express terminals, which we were joking about this upstairs, that in the United States, coffee vending is like an old school, gross hot chocolate and soup come out of the same. This is a very high tech, like you would see it like a tech company. Like at Microsoft, there are coffee vending machines where you could dial up exactly what you want. Well, and, you,
0: and a good analogy for within Coca-Cola, you know, they have these freestyle vending machines, right? This is it's, like the it's, coffee It's very right? much a
1: coffee version of mm-hmm. the freestyle machine where you get sort of the barista-led flavors. And you do see these at, at some Um, some convenience stores. But you could get the real barista experience from a machine where you're pushing the buttons. Uh, That is a much bigger thing in the rest of the world than it is in the United Mm -hmm. States, but it is a huge opportunity. They're also getting the coffee bean business, which is literally the ability to go to a restaurant and sell them not-ready-to-drink beverages. Mm -hmm. You're buying the beans, you're brewing them, maybe you're intentionally differentiating yourself from having Starbucks or, or one of the other brands. Uh, they're also getting 3,800 retail stores in 32 countries. Yep, 32 countries, and about half of those are franchised and half of those are company-owned. They are also getting a huge loyalty program, which is actually something Coke also doesn't have any real experience in, because you're generally not buying Coca-Cola from Coke. There's no program where if I drink a 12-pack every day, I get. I don't know, free stuffed teddy bear or whatever.
0: And they sometimes
1: have those contests for you know, you look under the cap and they have to. They generally have to do that stuff with their partners. Yes, exactly. So it's a now they they'll have the ability to not just you know have a direct relationship with a certain percentage of consumers. They also have 3,800 stores that they can test products in, or that they can you know run a promotion or see if people want you know different things. So it's a really different business for them, but. Mostly, you know, they're taking on uh, about sixteen thousand employees, and they're they're just getting entry to something that they didn't do. That they have all the apparatus in place to sell.
0: Yeah, so these um, thirty eight hundred or so locations. Uh, you mentioned thirty two countries. They're focused in Europe, Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. The biggest markets are. It's about sixty percent in the United Kingdom. De- definitely so. the UK, and then also in China. Um, and keep in mind that. Costa, both for you and I, not a brand that we're as familiar with, but in the UK it is the number one coffee brand. They have thirty five percent market share when it comes to coffee houses there. Um, So this is just a name that hasn't quite made it across the US. And one of the things
1: uh, that was talked about at the press conference on this or the the media call is that this is a brand that has already proven it can be a winner. So this isn't like some underdog. Coke isn't buying a brand no one's ever heard of and trying to make it something. And
0: like that's, and so that's something management said they specifically wanted to do. They wanted to get the leader in this space, uh, within this market, and to branch it out rather than try and go in and organically build up something from the ground level. And that's kind of, that we'll speak to how that's been their strategy really broadly for the company in terms of the brands uh, that they're really focusing on. Um, so you mentioned the express system, um, and I'll add that. You know these vending machines, 8,200 units out in the market, at least within the UK. They generate about 20% of revenue for the business, so pretty significant, and. Overall, I want to get into some financials for Costa Coffee. Um, revenue for the business came in at one point seven billion dollars, uh, with about three hundred twelve million dollars in EBITDA. And the top line has grown twelve point five percent annually over the past four years. So, and um, almost nine out of every ten dollars revenue for twenty eighteen came from the UK, uh, where it, again has by far the most stores and those express machines. So Next up, uh, I want to get into more detail talking about what Coke can do with this coffee business and how investors should think uh, about the company more broadly going forward. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting The Motley Fool and Industry Focus. The right hire can make a huge impact on your business. That's why it's so important to find the right person. But where do you find that individual? LinkedIn. Because LinkedIn is more than the world's largest professional network. It's also a better way to find great talent. LinkedIn Jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are. And with 70% of the U.S. workforce already signed up, a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. That's right. 22 million professionals are job hunting and applying to positions through LinkedIn every week and in every industry you can imagine. All you have to do is ask one of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who've posted to LinkedIn Jobs over the past year, and you'll qu- quickly realize why those businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs 40% higher than your run-of-the-mill job boards when it comes to delivering quality candidates. If you're not using LinkedIn, the world's largest professional network, for your hiring needs, you could be missing out on that one candidate with the exact skills and experience that you want working for your business. Hurry to LinkedIn.com fool for $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. So remember that uh, we've talked a little bit about this so far. Coca-Cola tapping into the retail footprint, tapping into the Costa Express vending machine system, uh, the distribution of these roast and ground beans into restaurants and cafes where Coca-Cola products are already going, like you mentioned, and uh, ready to drink beverages, beverages. There's more to there uh, to that. It's, it's really you have to almost look at the
1: United States and the existing Costa markets, and markets that have some Costa knowledge, separately. Because in the U.S., Coke has said, we're not going to open a bunch of retail stores. There's a a saturation point with Starbucks and and other players there. What Coke can do is, they can go to every company that they already sell Coca-Cola products to, and say, would you like our coffee too? It'll be cheaper for you and easier for you than having whoever you use now. Sure. So, that's an immediate advantage. It can also go to every convenience store where it has Freestyle, or Freestyle is in a lot of restaurants. Blaze Pizza, for example, has Freestyle, and a coffee machine would be very logical there. So, they can go to them and say, hey, do you want this? This becomes a very easy add-on sale. And Coke also has the ability to do it in a way that benefits your business. I used to run a giant retail store, and we carried Polar soda instead of Coke, because Polar gave me the cooler as long as I signed a two-year contract. So The big stand-up machine, yes. the local Coke guy wanted $1,000 or whatever it is up front. I paid for it either way. It was just a question of, did I pay for it over X amount of orders as you know a slightly higher price, or did I pay for it up front? Coke has the ability to to go to every Wawa and sit which have Coke Freestyle machines and say, hey, put in our coffee machine. Mm-hmm. So th- that part of the business in the US can be very quick growth. In the rest of the world, where they already have some market knowledge, they can do that part too. And they could also ramp up the expansion and the adding shops and adding kiosks, especially where the kiosk business is understood in Europe. And in the US, coffee kiosks are not yet a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that management has wanted to People to see that Costa not as the single brand, but as this platform, right? Because of the four pillars that you've talked about. But ultimately, when it comes down to, you know, you're essentially uh, powering. Costa with the scale and the distribution expertise that Coca-Cola very much has. Um, and then with the retail storefronts, too, in terms of uh, what we were talking about before the show, uh, newer products, experimentation, you have this direct feedback now it's, from the storefronts from, from it's customers. The, it's the Starbucks model. Mm-hmm.
1: you know. So, Starbucks buys Tivana or uh, their, their juice brand, which is escaping my but my memory, what the name of it is. But you go into a Starbucks, and they figured out which Tivana teas they sell packaged, which ones they sell fresh made, and they tested all of that, generally starting in Seattle and moving to Chicago for the U.S., and then they roll it all out. So, there's no mystery to them when they put a product into stores as to how well it's going to sell, for the most part. Coke will now be able to do that. They'll also be able to gauge things like, if I give out free samples of this, do people like it? That's really valuable market research, to be able to say, you know what, the U.K. does not like uh, cherry iced tea or whatever it happens to be on the level this market does. So, they can really now have this consumer lab, and it's important, they're keeping all of the retail management. So, this is not Coke going, we've never done this, let's do it. No, they are buying a ready-made company, and they are going to be involved, but they're going to let the existing people be in charge.
0: Yeah, they stress that. you know, this is a coffee strategy, not a retail <laughs> strategy, which allows uh, you know the management on the Costa side to continue kind of forging their own path there, and essentially Coca Cola's management doesn't have to answer the tough questions of you know you guys have zero retail experience, what are you going to do? There's definitely uh, it makes sense there for them to maintain some of that leadership. And there's also a brand strategy here in the U.S. Coke is not
1: going to go to, you know, Kroger's and say let's put Costa on the shelf next to Starbucks, Dunkin Donuts, McDonald's, all the ready to drink coffee because you don't know what it is. So what will likely happen first is you'll see Costa in restaurants, in other places where you don't have a choice, where Coke has sort of done the strong arming. Mm-hmm. Then, when you start to know the brand, it will make sense to roll it out in ready to drink packaging. And you've tried it, you're familiar with it, maybe you like it better than you like the packaged Starbucks. So, this becomes really sort of a, a multi year, multi prong strategy.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, that's great. Um... It's kind of a great description of how they're going to approach. It's this gradual process, and the company actually lays out an idea. They kind of give you an idea of what their attack plan is. You know, first they want to build the Costa brand, right? And they're thinking about that through their retail locations, and also taking advantage of that uh, the pretty large uh, loyalty program based. They have five point four million members. Start working off of that, and then second, they're going to start integrating Costa into. You know, coca-cola's very large distribution network and again they're going to offer more products like you've said to restaurants cafes whatever it may be and then third once they've uh, kind of made some progress uh, with that they want to start thinking about launching Costa in ready to drink form and then in uh, at home products and you know beyond that you know the company can really start with Cold or hot, ready to drink coffee, and then they can branch into these other categories uh, for at-home products. And there's also related products too, like hot tea and cocoa. So a lot of paths that the company can take. I was actually really surprised
1: how much they talked about hot, ready to drink. Mm -hmm. Hot, ready to drink isn't a category. It's a category in like Japan and a couple of places that have sort of innovative beverage technology. But think about it, you can't we don't have those cans you open and it's it's hot. So that's actually something they talked about having to innovate and having to create sort of new ways, and that's a category that who knows what the potential is. Mm-hmm. You know the vending machine potential
0: of getting a a self heating coffee could be enormous, sure so you know this optionality means that the co- company ultimately Has to and will tailor its approach by market. Uh, You know, we talked about how in the U.S. they don't need cost these Costa Coffee stores. Uh, There's there's plenty of. I think they said they'll open a few, maybe kind of to get the brand out there as kind of a flagship thing. But whereas in Asia, where the coffee culture is still very much developing, there's definitely the potential for them to open more stores in that market. Um, And then within that context, uh, kind of more on the operation side, I'll just mention that uh, Costa has a new roasting facility in the U.K. Pretty, provides almost all of the coffee. coffee Everything that the except company India sells, except for some of their Indian, uh, uh, their Indian market, and there's capacity to expand that, uh, you know, under Coca-Cola's management. So moving on, uh, last uh, last comments that I'll mention uh, for the deal, and you have something to add, is around the valuation. Uh, so the so uh, in terms of the process for how this deal came together. Um, I've seen both management teams mention that it was a pretty quick process. And the price tag paid has Garnered a little bit of attention during the investor call, 16 times EBITDA. Um, I compare that to another deal recently uh, in the beverage space, which is PepsiCo, uh, because they recently took over SodaStream. Some people have complained, Uh, some investors have been unhappy because that was this huge premium they bought it at. Some of their big, their the highest uh, price that SodaStream has been trading at, uh, almost uh, 25 times EBITDA. So what we're seeing here, definitely some expensive deals in the beverage industry, uh, in terms of. The opportunities that the giants are going after. I think it's because there's there's some sharks out
1: there right yeah. now, I and mean, we've t- we've done whole shows on, uh, on 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 JAB or Jab or whoever you want to call them, sure. which is a holding company that owns a billion coffee brands. Some you've heard of, some you haven't. Uh, they own Panera Bread. They own uh, some equity in what used to be Carrig, that's now Kerrig and Dr Pepper. So. They were probably a player here. we We don't know that. But even if they were just sort of sniffing, it's very easy to go to Coke and say, "Well, if you don't pay our premium, we don't want to sell to these guys, but they're buying." And it's very likely that that was out there,
0: yeah, all right. So just talking about Coca-Cola more broadly now, so just providing some context for how this deal fits into their strategy going forward. There's been a lot of changes with the company. Um, so ultimately, you see, Coke pursuing uh, this capital light model where they can be the puppet master pulling the string on brand management and marketing. And then they've tried to move away from having to deal as much in terms of the operations with manufacturing and bottling because of the heavy capital expenditures that that requires and a lot of the other expenses that come with that business. So, for example, uh, in 2017, Coke completed the refranchising efforts of its US bottling operations there are also some big efforts ensuring uh, up the bottling operations in big markets like China and Japan and uh In addition to those refranchising efforts, uh, there's also some big changes in terms of the product portfolio to address health concerns. right? Uh, Sugar content, they've killed a lot of what they call zombie brands uh, that are just not performing well, and with that, hundreds of SKUs in certain markets. There's been new leadership uh, with James Quincy as the CEO. Um, They also have a chief growth officer that they've added, so a lot of shifts there as well. And what that ultimately means if you're looking um, at Coca-Cola as an investor is, you know, Their top line is shrinking, no doubt about it, because of uh, these efforts. But at the same time, uh, with this kind of asset like business model, their profitability is getting stronger and stronger. And so there's a give and take there. And um, the way the company sees its kind of product brand strategy is to become the number one or number two leader uh, by market or product, because that Brings in the most profitability and the best returns for the company. I have a quote from Quincy, uh, the CEO, where he basically says, "It's better to be the leader in half of the world than number three in all of the world from a scale and profitability point of view." And this again speaks to why they picked a, up Costa. Right, it's a big diss to RC Cola. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, the uh, you know this uh, this latest deal with Costa. It makes sense that you know they have a dominant name in its home UK market, and something that's very strong in Europe, and it's branching out from there, and taking that strength and And molding it into their system.
1: And it's a brand that could plausibly become the number two in the United States in some of these categories. It is not going to be the number two coffee house. It could absolutely be the number one or number two restaurant brand. It could become the number one or number two convenience store brand. Ready to drink brand, yeah. Ready to drink, I think, is harder because that is much more, if you're looking at labels it It is about brand name if you want a nice hot cappuccino and they put this glorious looking machine in, you're not probably going to think who made the beans. You're going to think I want a barista made coffee and this is the closest I can get. I worry about their ability for a long time to put a Costa bottle next to a Starbucks and a mcdonald's this This is an area you know we you saw the Starbucks Nestle deal, which is all about ready to drink and expanding. Sure. This is a space that everybody is targeting. Dunkin' sure. Donuts has rapidly, and those are very big names. Costa has proven it can be a name, but it's going to take a while in the U.S. until it is a name.
0: Yeah. So the last thing is, you know, the new brand and the with the retail storefronts. A big part of that too is just the ability to experiment. You mentioned some examples from Starbucks. Uh, the chief growth officer position. Uh, I think that's really interesting that he talks about experimentation during a, I think it was a June presentation. And He said that as of the first quarter of 2018, Coca-Cola has increased its number of experiments 38%, with the volume from those products up 32%. Coffee is basically this whole new playground now for them to see what works, what doesn't. And again, I, I think this is a really interesting deal for Coca-Cola, just because you think about their dominance in uh, these non-alcoholic beverages, right? it does make sense. You've essentially opened up the entire additional market that coffee and hot beverages provide.
1: And coffee's also become a bit like craft beer. I'm not sure how big a coffee guy you are, but I'm a pretty big coffee guy. Mm -hmm. If a new coffee house opens up in my neighborhood, I am going to check it out and I'm gonna try three or four different things before I make a decision on whether that becomes part of my rotation. There's a certain uh, anti-Starbucks where not that you don't like Starbucks, but you've been there a thousand times. So when they're in a market, when they're when they're, you know, opening in China where there's thousands of Starbucks and Acosta comes in, your coffee aficionado is going to say, try it in a way that doesn't work necessarily in fast food or other places where just because it's new so the product is good and it's proven that people like it based on that's going to give it sort of an ability to grow in markets where they don't have to supplant someone they just have to take a piece of the business so maybe they'll be a strong number 2 a lot of places and that doesn't exist. There's, you know, the U.S. has a whole bunch. There's a lot of fragmentation across the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, definitely, um, and that's something they speak to for coffee. I'll leave uh, listeners then last uh, kind of comment for this deal and the potential that you always have to remember when you're dealing with a company at the, of this scale and experience when it comes to beverage beverages. is a reason why it is the market leader. Coca-Cola has their distribution system. They get about two billion drinks into the hands of customers in 200 countries every single day. Now you're just adding this new, you know, what they consider a platform to the mix and I I'm really excited to kind of see what not only Coca-Cola is going to do with this, but I'm kind of excited with the other deal like PepsiCo and SodaStream see how that works out. We're definitely going to follow up on this. It's been too long since we've talked about kind of the majors in beverages. Any last thoughts for me then? I don't know. Are we going for coffee? <laughs> I'm down to go for coffee right now. But, uh, Fools, thank you for listening. Dan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, people in the program may own companies discussing in the show, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based on what you hear during the program. Hold on.